Hello everyone, welcome to Five Pints In, the show that is probably going to be the death of me. Two guests we've had on so far, and we thought we'd do a little little hour, maybe, you know, something like that. Turned into four-hour drinking sessions, both of them. Well, I suppose it is Five Pints In, isn't it? Five Pints In, my ass. Hope you've enjoyed part one of the Trevor Morley interview. We've been having a good time, as you, as you well know. Here's part two. Enjoy. So, Trev, obviously, when you guys went to West Ham together, um, you know, you got your first goal against Hull uh, three weeks after you, uh, you, you uh, three weeks after your debut um, in a 2-1 win. What was what was it like getting that first goal for West Ham? Any any special memories come to mind? Any any special feelings? I have to be honest with you, I can't remember it, and I can't remember that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna kill you, but obviously, I, I, it's always you, as a striker you need to get that first goal because the longer it goes, the the more pressure mounts. But I, I, honestly, I can't remember. I don't. The bitch said I had a good start at West Ham. I don't remember actually having that great to start at West Ham. But then suddenly I started scoring goals. I think I scored ten goals in eighteen games. Mm-hmm. And I think I actually got third. They're the third in player of the year, and I've only been there for eighteen games that that season we joined. So, so um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I can't just remember that goal. <laughs> so, you so you did. So you did. So you did start better than me. Then I was right. Well, yeah. I mean, I did. I, did, I didn't start at first. I think it was five a few games before I scored a goal, and then then I got a few in a succession. So, um, but. Yeah. Um, I, 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 sorry to this, but I just can't remember that goal. It's, it's all right. It's all right. We could. Well, what we can talk on then is, you know, you as a striker and Ian as a midfielder. As a striker, it's it's easy to know like what your job is really. Like, you know, w- when do you get your first goal? Like, Ian, is it your first assist or or like what what is the what's the real marking of? Okay, I've done. I've I've broken that. No, for me, for me, it was settling in and getting trust. Yeah. For me, it was gain, it was gaining trust. And is that uh, is that gauged by how like like the defense like people passing to you or like what is yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, big time because you have to make things happen for them to want to give you the ball. And you you say you know I've coached for for a number of years and 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 that's one of the first things you say. Get the confidence of your teammates. You know, if if you're not doing much when you when you do receive it. Nobody's really going to want to give it to you. So, for, for me, it was, you know, you, you do, I, I don't care who you are, how good you are, how old you are, when you go to a new club, you have to earn that respect. Yeah. And it does It does take every day on the training field. It does, but more so, I think, it's, it's during games. Um, you have to make things happen. You have to let them know that when they give you the ball, that you're not going to give it away. Let's say it was a defender giving it to me in midfield, and I lose it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're defending he's not again. Gonna, he's not going to. Yeah. They don't want that. He's not going to give want it to that. you. Yeah. No, they. they and I remember Alvin Martin after after only a couple of months saying, maybe you come a little bit too deep. Maybe you shouldn't be receiving it where you do, because you're putting yourself in danger. And I said, well, I don't know any other way to do it. Yeah. That's just who I am. I want the ball, and I don't care where I am, and and that's the way I played the game. And I just feel it, it took me a little. Trev did things, even if he he doesn't remember his first goal, you know, or it took four or five games for him to get his first goal, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It, it, he did other things that 
that gained the respect of of his teammates. Well, I think be, I think before I did. That's the point I was trying to make. That's um. That's that's it's a good it's a good way. So Trev, like, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, he he got his first goal in however many games, you know, which is really where I was getting at. But like, do you feel like you did things early on at West Ham that um. Be even maybe before that first goal, regardless of of how well you know you remember it. Like, there's other things strikers do: pulling the centre backs in, letting the wingers go around. Like, was no, there? Like of Firmino and that. Like, how did Trev? How do you feel about your start at West Ham? You know, Ian said you started well. How do, how, how do you remember that? No, I remember it differently. I remember it's a bit slow start. I remember that. Um, that uh, I mean, it's a good point because strikers always score. I always judge by scoring goals. Yeah. And I, I've never been that. I've always wanted to play. I know it sounds stupid. I'd sooner play well than score the goal that's the winner and not play well, if you get what I'm saying. But yeah, at the end of the day, you live by the score. Yeah. And, and I think it's come back to what, what your dad said there. And he was so brave. That's what I loved about him as well, that he dropped deep to get the ball. And that's all he knew. But that, that, that was brilliant because... It, it was always an option. Wherever he was, he'd be, he wanted the ball. He never, never hide and I know a lot of players hide a lot of people don't really want the ball and when you're getting the ball deep in that position there you've got to be perfect your touch has got to be perfect you lose it there you can lose the goal it, you know that that's something if I lose the ball up front it doesn't really matter so much yeah I always thought that that's why I could never be a central midfield player because in a way there's more pressure there I, I have the pressure of scoring goals the midfield player and that's what for me Ian was so brave because he was always the one that went and got the ball he always gave an option to the centre half, the full backs, he'd come and get the ball dropped deep. So like he's it was a great point, like Harvey Martin said maybe he should be further up, but that wasn't him. Bish was brilliant on the ball, turn, weave, pass it, a link link up man. That's what he did. Uh, for me, I think I had a bit of a slow start, but once you got a goal, you know, for strikers, even though you're playing well, that goal gives you that bit of extra confidence and it takes the pressure off a little bit when the goals yeah. start coming. Well, I think it's easy to to it's easy to measure, or we, or as a fan, you think it's easy to measure a striker because you want to just look at the numbers, you know. Like you look like one player today, and I don't want to praise any Liverpool player right now, but 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 Bobby Firmino does such a great job for Liverpool right now, and I don't think he's he's praised enough because he's not scoring he as much as Salah stats. and Mane, yeah. but he does such a good job, and I don't think people look at strikers and look at what they do in terms of it's not a, goals. You know? Yeah, it's like, a different game. He sets them up. Yeah, so I think... Um, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, ha- however, however it's remembered, but I, I mean, mean... Yeah, I mean, did, did you ever have a bad game... And then you scored a goal you you didn't think you were gonna score, and then it ended up being a great game, and it ended up pushing your confidence, Trevor, to where like, you know the like let's say you score an early goal that you didn't think you were gonna score within the first twenty minutes, and then you were having like a shit day or whatever, and then you score that goal which you didn't work for, and it turns the whole game around, and it turns exactly yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're dead right. I, I did do that, and I'll be honest, but I never got the satisfaction from that. My, oh, my yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't count it. Well. Yeah, you don't want to celebrate or anything. It's one of those where, like, no matter if you put it in the top corner, you feel like you didn't work for it. It's one of those like, I'm dependent on scoring goals, and I feel like I didn't work for this kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I never felt dependent on scoring goals. I I, I know I had to score goals. That's a, obviously it's a fact when you're playing centre forward. But I never felt dependent. I, I was more dependent on playing well, doing the job for the team. And I know goals would come. I, I was never prolific, but I, I scored my first year of goals and. You know, that, that's the way I looked at my, my position, to be honest. But I, I always wanted to do a job for the team. I was never selfish. There's many selfish strikers. You talk about, you, you mentioned Firmino there and what a player he is. And, you know, and, and you look at Salah. And for me, he, I, I don't know, maybe this guy should go because I, I know he scored a lot of goals, but he's, 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 he's he can be very selfish. He yeah. gives the ball away. But the crowd love him. And, yeah. And I think Mane and Firmino, yeah, but Salah, maybe the time to change it a little bit because, OK, he's had a great time, but I don't know if he's the complete player. I don't. Yeah, because he, he, no, I uh, think it's just because of the I record. I don't rate that, Salah as high as I do Firmino. Or you Mane. Know? Like or I Mane. Think, yeah, or Mane, yeah. I think Mane, Firmino take it, but... Um, um, yeah. I think he's I think just to, jump, just to jump in here now and, and gauging them players, I think the point Trev was, was sort of putting across and... And I can tell you, being a teammate, I, I guarantee you, whether fans appreciate it or not, the job Firmino does and the job that Trev did mm-hmm. without the goal scoring was probably appreciated more by his teammates. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Trev, I think that's the, I think that's the centre mid in you. You yeah, know, exactly. you started as a centre mid. I think that's the centre mid in you thinking I've got to be a team player. One hundred percent. You know that. How you know, England you were, used to play, you know. I think that's the sentiment in you, like looking for that that team, like that 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 being included in the I mean, team build I, up. You know, I don't want to compare you to Emil Emil Heskey, but um, <laughs> that was his job. He wasn't there to score. You know, he was there but, for Robbie but you Fowler. Said, he was there but you, for Michael Owen. But you just said you weren't prolific, but you were. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I wasn't. Bad. Like, I you mean, could finish. I mean, I. I played when I look back. I played with players. I played with Tony Cotty. I didn't particularly like. He was just like a fox in the box, and he got goals, but he didn't do anything else. I played with. I played with Jimmy Quinn, who was a good player, who get goals, but he did his work. I played with Lee Chapman, who. Yeah, my best season ever with Lee Chapman. So Clive Allen again. I played with Clive Allen, and I love Clive Allen. He's a great player, but he didn't do the dirty work. He didn't do what I did. Who was... I still managed to outscore Clive, to be fair, but but I was doing a lot more work than he was doing. But as a finisher, he was brilliant. But um, yeah. I never want to be that player. I never want to be that player hanging about because I, when I played football, I wanted to be involved. I wanted to have as much of the ball. I wanted to be involved. I could not be a Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy is one on one with the keeper. So I mean, yeah. he's, he's just got Van this. Nester he's got right. this to a T. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he's not like he's not involved in anything. And for me, I, I need to, to get the ball. I want to be by every throw in. I want to go and get it and pass it. I want to be involved. That that's my enjoyment of playing football. I could never have been a different striker. So yeah, it maybe it cost me some goals, but I think also that was I would never have the career if I hadn't done that. I See, think people uh, like this says people the football the, the players you play with appreciate it more probably than the public. They see it, you know. Yeah, they 100%. know Albie Martin when he's got the ball, when Bish has got the ball under pressure, he'll know I'll show for him, whatever. So I think that, you know, when I look back and people they always praise me but the you know, okay, it might be blowing smoke up my ass, but they always say he was a great player, and, and that means the most to me, really. So, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, there's, there's that go, it goes back to you being a grafter, you know, like selling potatoes. It's like you're you're working for that for that goal, you know. So, um, but um, but don't don't be talking about showing your balls to Vish on this podcast because that's <laughs> that's just out of line. Um, 
So showing what, four balls, <laughs> not showing his balls. Oh, okay, different then. Uh, what I what I did want to talk about though is there was um you two played the first home game uh, after Bobby Moore passed away, um and and I started digging into this throughout through the week. Um, and I just wanted to talk about maybe like like what the game was like, what the atmosphere was like, if there was any special memories behind that. Um, so like one one big thing was Bobby Moore wore number six, right? And that was that was your number, Ian. So At the and, time, yeah. and you wore number yeah. exactly, and you wore number twelve for that game because they um, they rested it for that game. What was the so the first home game? What was that? Um, I mean, Trev, you scored as well. Uh, in the three-one win, what was that game like? He won't like? remember. He won't remember. <laughs> yeah. I never met Bobby Moore for one. Um, obviously, I've seen him play on TV and the World Cup. I, I remember. I remember the day he died. I don't remember this pitch. We were training, and Harry kept us training for an hour, an hour. I mean, he wouldn't take us in. I don't remember that. We were training for like an hour and a half normally after what we because Harry was obviously upset. Yeah. And um, he kept us out training, training. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a difficult one. I never met him. You know, I, I know his legacy and he's a legend. And, and my, my favourite story on Bobby Moore is the one Harry tells when um, I don't remember this bit when they were in the pub Friday night before a game away somewhere. And Bobby used to like a pint like you did, Bish. And uh, <laughs> I think I think it was Ron Greenwood, and the message got down to the pub that. They knew they were down the pub. The manager's coming down. So they all, like, legged it back home. And Bobby was last. And um, he went round the back of the hotel. And um, he climbed over the fence, tried to climb over the fence. And it was like railings. And he slipped and he got his arse stuck in the railings. (laughs) Why would you remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is great because you could never get away with this nowadays. But so... He's like World Cup captain, Bobby Moore, whatever, legend. And it's yeah. the night before a game. And he's stuck. His arse is stuck in the railings. And the physios had to come out and get him off the railings, apparently. So, I mean, there's a story. I, I think Harry told us that story. So, um, yeah. But the, so, what I liked about Bobby Moore was he was the England captain. He was such a good-looking, but he had another <laughs> side to him, Bobby. He was like, he was a bit of a, a, bit of a gangster. I like that. I like yeah. Bobby. Well, I just knew. I just knew at the time, like there was a, like a, I don't know, like a, a such a respect for them around the place. And even though not knowing them, you felt it alongside the supporters and everybody, you know, within the club itself. Um, mm. Especially, you know, back then, and you know, no, squad numbers weren't involved, and, and I had been wearing the number six, and and to have to actually go out there with the number 12 on it was a little bit strange but um, yeah. I know it was later on I did talk about being the last person to wear the number 6 and somebody said well they didn't retire the, the shirt fully 2004 I, I think it was yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think they did and I think they said Matty Upson was the last one yeah, to yeah, wear the shirt before was, yeah. before they retired it. Yeah, but, but such a such a legend not just with West Ham obviously with the whole country yeah I mean, do you remember that? I've still, I've, still got, I've still got the shirt here. I mean, I've still got the shirt with me. I, I look at it. I don't know why, but after looking at it and looking at that badge, Bobby Moore's testimonial, I remember it was completely full out, full out, and his wife was there. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a sad day, obviously, because, you know, he's up there with, with anybody, of course. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the atmosphere, that, that game? Like, was it, 
you know, the 3-1 will, uh, 3-1 win. Trev, you scored in the 3-1 win, I will remind you. But um, did, was the atmosphere any different? Like, was it, you know, or was it just a, uh, like a normal, like being on the pitch, obviously in, in the stands, I'm sure the, the spectators felt it. Um, but like, was there you a know, different I could, lie, I could lie, I could lie to you, but I, I, you know, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember oh. what, what I had for breakfast, to be honest. But, <laughs> so it's different, it's different. I'm getting a bit demented in that, so, but I would imagine there'd been a lot of respect because, yeah, mm. I remember the atmosphere around the club. I remember the, what I remember is the flowers outside. There were so many flowers outside. I don't remember that bit when you went to Upton Park and that. There were so many flowers put outside or whatever. It, it was like amazing. So, yeah, the guys, the guys are complete. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I was told is, is once, once, like, like wherever you are, once the game kicks off, you're immersed in the game and, and it's another game of football, you know, but yeah. it, it was a different day. I can't remember yeah. that it was a different day, you know. But I never met him, but I, I, I met Jeff Hurst once. I went I went for the piss once, and uh, <laughs> Jeff Hurst was having a piss at the side of me. He was having thought, a Jeff Hurst. <laughs> That's the story, you've just killed him. you just <laughs> killed him. <laughs> it was, it was. I, I remember looking and going, oh, and I couldn't think of anything. And I, most stupid question ever, I said, What's it like to score hat trick in a World Cup final? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. As he was pissing on his shoes. <laughs> what did he, he say? You know what he said to me, he said, he said it was a great feeling. I said, you know what, Jeff? Whatever you scored three goals in the World Cup final, but you know what? My, my knob's bigger than yours. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, prove it. And you said, no. <laughs> so, all right. So, Trev, your, your last game at West Ham. Stopped Man United winning the league. Blackburn won it. Yeah. Was it was it extra sweet considering your time at City, or was it just another was it just another game? Or was it just another goal? Like, did it was it extra sweet knowing that United hadn't won it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, every time you played Man United, it was special. I think, especially for the West Ham fans, they loved it. For me, it was my last season. I'd not played. I'd been injured. I'd not scored. Everything was going wrong. It was a rusty nuts season. Everything was going wrong. <laughs> but, but I remember I played that game. I actually remember I saw it that their goal. I was actually mark- I think Brian McClare scored. I was marking him. So yeah. And he, I left him. He scored a free header. But we got the one-one. And my memory of that is just. And I've told these stories when we got in his restaurant room after, and uh, we sat there. There was knock on the door, and. Uh, Suddenly, they're coming with a crate of champagne from Kenny Dalglish and uh, Jack Walker, thanking us for, you know, thanking us. And we sat there, looked at each other and went, OK, I think we finished 13th in the league. And went, OK, let's party. And we opened the champagne and started drinking like we'd won the league. So, yeah, it was, it was quite funny. But, uh, no, nah, it wasn't extra special for me. I mean, it was just what was special was not to lose to Man United. I didn't really care who won the league, to be honest. Yeah. And also, I, I mean, you said, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. How did you feel about it? I did. I was, I, I couldn't. I was ecstatic. It was, it was just to stop them. I think if you remember, Trev, in '92 in when Leeds won it, we'd um, we'd beat Man United one 0 even though we were getting relegated. Kenny Brown yeah. scored. Remember the goal? Yeah. yeah. And I remember then after that, um, I think Fergie had called our performance obscene. Obscene, exactly, yeah. yeah. Obscene. How could a team that's already going down 
pick themselves up because it's Man United. And I had a, I had a thing with Man United anyway. Obviously, throughout my career, maybe Everton debut was Man U. You know, we had the five-one at City. Um, we all hate possibly, Man United. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, hating them being a scouser as well was, was the hatred was there from day one. You know, um, you know, we the, the biggest game of the season at Bournemouth was the FA Cup against Man U, and then the replay. You know, and then the the Leeds game. And then the, the, the stopping them winning the league, especially it was as much for Gailey as well, because remember Gailey had signed for Blackburn that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 had earned enough performances to get a, a Premier League winners medal. So so for me it was it was big, just just stopping them. He only was, played like half the season, didn't he? Yeah, well he was. I think he was supposed to back then. He was supposed to have appeared in twelve or thirteen games okay. to get a medal. So I think he earned enough. And got the medal. In fact, I know he did because he ended up getting me Alan Shearer's shirt from that season. Oh, yeah, by all the Black yeah. I remember, Which yeah. I still have today, you know. But, I think we posted well, it. Well, I celebrated like, yeah, yeah, like we won the league. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we used, yeah, to celebrate, a... we used to celebrate every after every game, really, Trev, didn't we, back then? <laughs> right, was it? I mean, that's another one. Come back to Billy Bonds. I remember we played in Tony Gale's testimonial. Remember that? Yeah. I, th- I think we played Ireland, didn't we? Uh, and... Um, I remember that this is typical Bill that he didn't, you know, he wasn't, he did some stupid things as much as I love him and I love playing for him that I think he told Tony on the morning and said, I'm going to release you at the end of the season. And this is on his testimonial day. So, Gailey was on a real downer. I don't remember that. <laughs> He's on a real downer. And then, and then he was like, I was with him because he was like, uh, I think he got an offer for Enfield, £500 a week, and he was actually considering that. He's, no clubs were coming in for him, and then suddenly, you know, uh, I think he got asked to play in the Charity Shield, didn't he? Played the Charity yeah, Shield did, yeah. the first yeah, game, did. and he yeah. played well, and then uh, Kennedy Dougley said, how much do you want? And he got a deal, and uh, <laughs> he ended up getting a, yeah. getting a, getting a winner's medal. Yeah. So, so and, and I love Gailey, I love Gailey, I think he's a great bloke, so... I was so pleased for him to to do that. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was a great amazing, story yeah. for him. And you said you you borrowed Alan Shearer's celebration when you scored. You said that earlier. Yeah. So did that feel good? <laughs> you know the the <laughs> you borrowed his Brad celebration and then he won and then he won the the league because you stopped United winning it. So yeah, maybe, but you know, <laughs> I don't. I, I never had I never had a set celebration. It's just like you know, you just did stupid things like today. You know, they've got everything rehearsed, even the celebration. Yeah, yeah. What was? What but was? I think today. I think today they 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 practice so much of the celebrations that they actually forget to score goals in yeah. the first place. <laughs> Trev, yeah. Trev, what was the the most embarrassing or worst celebration you'd ever done? Where you thought, why did I do that? Well, I'd won at Reading when. Um, I scored a goal and I celebrated and I, it was an own goal, you know. And I've, I've done a diving header near post. You know you're not meant to it. celebrate them, right? <laughs> yeah, but I've celebrated like I've scored and of course, you know, it's come all oh, Morley scored and everything and all that, blah, blah, blah. And then a bit later, because I think it was on matching day or something, it's like, it's an own goal, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I can remember being a bit embarrassed by that, trying to claim a goal that I didn't score, but... Oh, they do that the all the time today, so... I mean, there was that whole Christian Eriksen, uh, Harry Kane Harry thing. Kane but thing, was there yeah. ever a time where you thought, "What the hell am I doing right now?" Like, or yeah, while you whilst you were celebrating, like mid celebration, yeah. Like you, were, <laughs> you were running, and you're like, "Jesus fuck, I'm already running." So I might as well t- <laughs> throw my arms up. <laughs> 
can't think of one. No. no. If you give me some time, it might, something might come to me. I can't really think of one. <laughs> it's all right. We are, we're putting you on the spot, you know. And yeah. we, and well, if, he, if he doesn't remember when he scores a goal, he's not going to remember the yeah. celebration, is he? We'd, we'd, ask, we'd ask Ian, but, like, there's only six. He scored seven <laughs> goals, yeah. I remember all of them. Yeah. All right. Was there any I, I weird celebrations hand, you had? Yeah. Was there any weird celebrations you had where you thought, "What the fuck am I doing right now?" Like, yeah, he no. scored a goal, and he's like, "Jesus, <laughs> yeah, fuck. When he <laughs> you just took the words out of my mouth. Sorry. How, the, how the fuck did that happen? Was just the thoughts that went through my mind. Because I wasn't Oh shit! Thought, that was a cross. <laughs> um, Never got there. No, no. All right. When I, meant to score, when I meant to score, I scored. Yeah, I just didn't mean to score yeah. often enough. One hundred percent. I mean, there's that. There's the famous picture of you scoring the header against Man United, where yeah. you, you look like I'm a little teapot, short and stout. <laughs> yeah, this is my. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a prelude to the future, to what yeah. was coming. Yeah. <laughs> the funny I mean, thing no. is, when you score, when, when you score a goal, you can you can actually run so fast; it's unbelievable. Oh <laughs> yeah, the energy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you didn't attempt the much. You didn't attempt much, that. So no, I didn't. I was, I was more. That's one of my regrets, actually. That I mean, I no. had the capacity. <laughs> I had the capacity to, to hit shots and yeah, and be creative with the balls. And when I look back, I think, well, if I could do it with a pass, why couldn't I do it with it's a pass? It's passing into the goal. Yeah, you did have. You did I have. Didn't, I didn't have. I didn't have the the killer instinct in me. Yeah, to but when you did finish that often. To be fair to you, though, because we were we were pretty harsh on you last episode. To be fair, you've scored some goals where I thought, "What the fuck was that?" With your left he, foot, he, I think you scored a left foot Luton, goal against right? Leeds or Luton. Where I thought, no, like, that was yeah, that was poor fail away. Poor I mean, fail, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish yeah. it had been a bigger team. Like, so well, we've got a on about it, we've we've got a chest of VHS. VHS are like videos, like in case people don't know. Oh, you know. And that you, when we were kids, you used to force us to watch, and be like, <laughs> "Look, I actually did some justice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually That's did I something during this." Yeah. 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 So, so let me put you both on the spot then. So, what what was what was Trev? What was your favourite memory of Ian at West Ham? And just keep it PG, you know. Don't go into the details. <laughs> yeah. My favourite memory of Ian at West Ham. On or off the Ooh. pitch? It's up to you. On off the pitch. I remember. I remember Harry used to take us to Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> a little break. <laughs> and we used to play golf. Well, we should play golf and. Um, uh, I remember we. I think the first year we stayed in five star hotel, the back hotel or something. And and Harry used to be with us, and then we have a, used to have a meal at his restaurant, and he used to leave us early in the evening. And of course, after, as soon as he left, we were starting drinking or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I remember. I, remember, I think the first night um, we had a goalkeeper called Jerry Payton, and um, somehow he got in a fight with um, was it Dave Watson? He played for Dave Watson's brother. Mark, yeah, um, wasn't wasn't Mark, you know? Mark Watson, and I'm Harry used to come for breakfast in the morning, and I remember he used to say, "Everything all right, Alvin? Everything okay, Alvin? Last night?" And Alvin would go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah not bad, Harry." He went, uh, but Jerry's in hospital. He's had twenty nine stitches, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and the next year we we like we scaled down to like a three star hotel, and I think the third year was in like bed and breakfast, you know. <laughs> but I remember this time when uh, we'd been on it all night. Harry had left us, we'd been on it all night, and we were, like, super drunk, and uh, I'd gone down for breakfast, and 
And Harry's sitting there, I thought, oh, shit. And, and, and your dad was, like, completely out of it. And I thought, oh, bitch, don't come down. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry, Harry said, good night. And that was not too bad. Was, not bad, Harry. Good night. Yeah, we had a couple. Yeah. And then suddenly, your dad's come in. And I've never seen him worse, ever. He, he was like, his shirt was half buttoned up. He, he was, he's like, his jeans were on back to front. He's, his hair... <laughs> The ripper his in the back. Hair, <laughs> his hair was cut with like Jedwood. Do you know what I mean? He was like, yeah. <laughs> oh no. And he sat the side of me and Harry's there. And Harry's looking at him and gone, oh, good night, bitch. Good night. So, I could, I could, there's stories I could tell, but I can't actually tell it on this show, to be honest. But <laughs> So was you there with all the fire extinguishers? Yeah. When Alvin got caught, yeah. Oh, frightening. What's like It was like a snow blizzard. <laughs> every wall, every carpet was white. Well, what? Let, let's, let's, tell, let's tell that story. It sounds like a good one. Nah. No? <laughs> no. Yeah. All right, give the gist of it, the, then. The case is still open. No, it's... Go on, I can't remember who set them all off, to be fair. I know Stuart Slater was messing around with it, and Stuart Slater's sort of a straight guy. He was, like, messing around with this fire extinguishers, and, and Alvin stepped in and took it off him, and it's still thrown out the phone, whatever. And the manager from the hotel's come in and gone, oh, I'm so surprised at you, Alvin. <laughs> yeah, once they start... It's kind of hard for them to start. It was you know? a powder one. It wasn't a foam one. It oh, was powder, okay. It? it was yeah, one of them old yeah. powder ones, but I mean, once you once you press that, it's you know that they're just gonna keep coming Gone. out. Yeah. I, I had a story when I was in the hospital when I'd been stabbed, and uh, so um, of course um, I nearly died, and I woke up in the morning, and I've got all these tubes and stuff all over him over me and whatever and of course your dad was the first to come and visit me and uh, he brought Frank McAvenny with him and um, I remember he cut his finger had a bad cut on his finger and I, I'm lying there like you know I've got like pipes and blood transplant whatever all over me and lying there and and your dad just kept moaning about his finger <laughs> he went no, my I, finger's I, I, killing me <laughs> So I've like I was on the deathbed almost. So I've got tubes and everything hanging out of me, and, and your dad and Frank McAvan here first to meet me the next day. They've come in and uh, and uh, and he's cut his finger, and he, he keeps moaning about his finger, and I'm lying there. Anyway, we carry on for a bit, and uh, so uh, you know the, emer- the emergency cord. So suddenly I've pulled the emergency cord for the, for the nurses to come quick, and like. Uh, your dad and uh, and uh, are panicking a bit. They're panicking. What's going on? Is it, is it, uh, and the nurse has ran in. I've gone. Can you have a look at his finger for him? But he won't stop moving. <laughs> yeah, get a get a tube into his finger or some shit. <laughs> Fine. Do you remember? Remember the fella came in to him when um, we're all looking at each other. I must admit, you, you was on your deathbed, and all of a sudden the nurse has gone. One of your friends is here. So, like, this guy walks in, and I'm looking at Frank, and I'm looking at the fellow, I'm thinking, well, I don't recognise him. Frank's looking at me as if, like, I don't recognise him. And then we're both looking at Trev, thinking, oh, it must be one of his friends, like, from from the past, like, from non-league or whatever. And next thing you know, the, uh, the fellow pulls a note, note yeah. pad out of his pocket, 
it was a reporter that has conned his way in. He just wanted to get in and, and obviously yeah. do the story. Me and Frank jumped up, didn't we? Grabbed him, wrestled him under the corridor and booted him up the arse. Kicked him down the corridor. Trev, what's this, um, the Ronnie Whelan story? Yeah, of course, Ronnie. I mean, when we played um, the Man City, you played that day, didn't you? The first game for Man City in me, the top That league. was my debut, yeah. My debut at Anfield, yeah. Yeah, I mean, me as well. First, I mean, for me, it's come from like six five four three two to the top league, and the first game Man City against Liverpool, and the fantastic side. And that was the last side to win the league. But um, and I, I'll always love Ronnie Whelan. When I was at Derby County on the trial, Ronnie was there at a trial as well. A fantastic player. I love the guy. I thought he was brilliant. So anyway, when I'm signing for Reading, I've left West Ham and I'm going to sign for Reading, and I've got a phone call. I'm on the way to Reading, and. Uh, um, South End, Ronnie Whelan is manager of South End and he's rang and um, no he's not rang but the chairman's rang me to Trevor before you sign for Reading can you come town R- Ronnie really loves you he wants you to come and sign, sign for South End so I, I went to Reading and I spoke to John Majeski I said listen I told him the truth I said South End have rang Ronnie Whelan he's a bit of a legend he's manager of South End maybe I'd like to play for him I'm not saying I'm not going to sign for you because Reading was a better club than South End to be fair so, but I just want to go down and talk to him. So, okay. So, I drove back three hours. I got a speeding ticket. I got, eventually, I got to South End, and the chairman's waiting for me. He said, Trevor, brilliant. I'm glad you come. He said, uh, Ronnie's waiting for you in his office. So, I walked in, knocked on the door, walked in, and there was Ronnie sitting at his desk. He went to me, sit down, Tony. <laughs> And you know what? He just lost me there. So I sat down and I did. I was too embarrassed to say, Ronnie, that's not my name. <laughs> Fellas, so Tony, Morley he, was, Tony Morley was a famous player for Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was, yeah. was a winger who won the European Cup with them in, I think it was 1980, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it was totally always, I'd lost, I'd lost all respect for Ronnie. I'd lost respect. I didn't listen to a word he said and I said, thank you very much and walked out and I went back to the side of Reading. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Boys, if you remember Ronnie, Ronnie used to come in the pub. I remember, the pub. yeah. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. Quality. He, he didn't know our name. Yeah. He used to come in and hammer me, didn't he? As a fact, I'd never won anything. But um, when, when we're talking about that City game at Anfield, it was it was my City debut, and obviously Trevor's debut in the in the big in the top flight, wasn't it, Trevor? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And uh, I remember Shuey Neil McNabb saying to me before the game, um, just kick one of them. Meaning Ronnie and Steve McMahon in the middle, in the middle of the midfield. He went, just yeah. kick one, and I went, okay. So anyway, I end up catching Ronnie quite late. I caught Ronnie quite late, and he jumped straight up. And I thought I'd hit him, but he jumped straight up, and he turns around to me and he goes, "Is it first game? Is it sunny?" <laughs> and I went, "I went, yeah, it is, and you're going to know about it." He went, "Do you want to come home and see me medals?" <laughs> <laughs> Done me straight away, killed me. Yeah, and to be honest with you, to be honest, we lost the game three-one. After the game, I was in the players' lounge, seeing Ronnie at the bar, and I went over to him, and I went, "I really would like to come and see your medals if that's okay." <laughs> yeah, Trevor, is there any centre back you went against and just shit yourself because of uh, his profile? Um, or how tough he was? Oh yeah, how, yeah, how tough he was. Like, Who, Ronnie? 
No, no, just was, anyone. Was there any centre-back that you came up against where you thought, like, oh, fuck me, this guy's big? Yeah, like, I know I know his legacy. I'm going to be in for a battle today. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Never, never. I was never fried. I always Oh, like, no, they, they would say that about you. <laughs> no, that's... Funny, I have a little story of the Liverpool game because that was my first game as well, and I had some new Umbro boots on. I remember I got sponsored by Umbro. <laughs> and... Um, this is actually a true story, and it's like uh, after about twenty minutes, the sole of my boot is coming loose, and it's flapping. I'm like running around, I can feel that something wrong, and my boot's flapping, and you can actually see it. And um, I think we got the free kick after about twenty-five minutes, where Andy scored the deflected goal. And you can, I'm shouting to the bench, "You got to get me a new boot, get my new boot." And so they threw me on the boot, and it threw me on the wrong boot. They threw me on. Andy Hinchcliffe's boot, which is like two sizes too small for me. <laughs> and so um, I've crammed my foot in it. I've gone, it's the wrong boot, it's the wrong boot. Nah, just get on with it, get on with it. <laughs> so as we get on as we get on towards half time, I'm starting to, I can't feel my right leg. It's like there's pains <laughs> in my leg. <laughs> so I've shouted to the bench again. I've said, listen, get a boot. I can't feel my leg. They went two minutes to half time. And so, okay, so... Um, I think we won one because Andy scored. And it, you can actually see this. It's like right on the stroke of half-time. I've got the ball and I've gone past, I think I've gone past two Liverpool players and I've put it through Alan Hansen's legs and I'm, I'm through one-on-one with Grabbelar in front of the cop and I can't film a, I can't film a right leg. <laughs> and the referee, and you can the referee blew for half-time as I'm going oh, down shit. on goal. I'm a slight... And he blew for half time. And I ran to the referee and I went, You. It was one And he went, Trevor, I did you a favour, son. I could see you was going to miss that goal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember just, who the ref I'll was? Watch, I'll just watch the Twitter. The, there's a video, wasn't it, on YouTube, the 12 minutes of that game. And it was actually. Uh, you could see you, Trev. What about, what about the free kick you're talking about with Andy Inchcliffe? I've just tweeted the picture. When I said when I scored the third against Man United, he wasn't interested. I've just gone down. I've smashed him with Steve McMahon. He smashed me in the jaw. And there's, there's a picture of you. You've got your back turned to me, not bothered whatsoever whether I was okay or not. Yeah. Just wondering where you were going to take the free kick. And in the <laughs> end, you didn't take it. No, but I was looking towards the bench. That's why I wanted to get a new boot. Yeah. That was... He was seeing if someone could tie his laces. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think the rest might have been right, though, Trev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll never, we'll never know. But yeah. I wasn't disappointed. I think I would have messed up. I have a feeling I would have messed up there. But it could have put us two on in front. You never know. Yeah, Trev. Trev, going to your to your career at Reading. Yeah. Do you remember knocking Leeds out of the the League Cup at Allen Road with your late yeah, runner? I scored, I scored a late goal. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Special. I remember that uh, we actually got cigars on the coach on the way home. Yeah, we were smoking cigars. So that was quite. A, it was quite a big win for us to. to, to um, I think. I think we played Middlesbrough in the quarterfinals, and they just signed Paul Merson. Yeah, and I think he was on like twenty-five thousand pound a week, which was more than the whole of our team together. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I had a good three years at Reading. To be fair, um, after I left West Ham, Jimmy Quinn who had played with him at West Ham was joint manager there and he wanted to sign me and um, 
And uh, I, th- I had three massive injuries there. I, my cruciate went, and I had another massive knee injury, and also fractured my skull. But you know, it was tell my us, best. Trev, tell us about that one. Was that John Gittins? Yeah, yeah John Gittins at Portsmouth. Yeah, I jumped and won the header, and as I landed, he just elbowed me straight into the head, and and uh, it, it was the ref didn't even see it, and. Um, he gave a free kick and uh, I started feeling a bit ill and uh, there was no blood or anything so I didn't think anything of it and then I started feeling weird and I was being sick on the pitch and, uh, and uh, I think I, I maybe played for about 10 more minutes went off and I was being sick in the changing room and uh, but when I, I went to touch my t- over my eye when I went to touch the bone had gone it was like just soft so I thought oh shit I'm in trouble here so I um, took an ambulance to uh into London and uh, yeah, they find out I was fracturing my skull. So um, I spent a night in the hospital. Uh, they wake you up every thirty minutes and check you. And then uh, I saw the specialist the next morning, and he said to me, "We're going to have to operate and put some some uh, some metal in here and, and put it back together." So, um, but the funny thing was, he said, "We're going to we're going to cut you from ear to ear and take your face off." And I actually, I actually, I remember thinking he was joking. I thought this is a good joke. Yeah, yeah. So it's I said, a movie. Just, yeah, just give me a scar. I'm not bothered. Give me a scar. I said, no. And they actually cut from your ear over the top of your head. And then they pull your face off and do the operation. And then they pull it back and staple it together. So That's um, why you look so much better today than you used to <laughs> Yeah. I got free facelift. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you got the Brad Pitt. Look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll give you eyebrows that Ian shaved off. Don't worry. <laughs> well, we're, we're getting to that. Yeah. I, w- so so I when know, I, know, I, know the fam- I met another famous person when I was at Reading. Yeah. <laughs> we're I'll tell you a keeping story, the list. So... Yeah. The fucking Pope. You met him, Muhammad <laughs> Ali. <laughs> I tell you what, it's not far. It's not far from the Pope, especially because you're Liverpool guy. So. Uh, there's me, Barry Hunter, and Stuart Lovell, and we've both got knee injuries, and we're all we go on the bikes going down the lanes, and we go to Henley on Thames, which is the richest area outside London, fantastic area. And we've come up to this big house, and there's a gatehouse there. And uh, Archie said to me, uh, "There's someone famous living here." I went, "Who's who?" He went, "No, I'm not telling you. Who do you think?" And I, I parked my, I leant on the gate, and the gate opened. The gate was open at the bottom. It was a big gatehouse. <laughs> So Barry, Barry Hunter, who's now, he's the top man at Liverpool, by the way, signing all the players. Barry Hunter, the Irish guy, crazy guy. He said, let's go in. So we got on our bikes and we, we wheeled up and it was like maybe almost a mile up this lane. There were buddhas, there were fantastic gardens and you come up to the most fantastic house you've ever seen in life. It's huge. I mean, it's not even a house. It's, it's twice Buckingham Palace. It's, it's just unbelievable. And there's a massive maze at the front. And we got, we got off our bikes, and suddenly we had this voice. Oi! And we've looked behind us, and there's one of the Beatles, George Harrison. He sat down, Jeez. smoking a roll-up with a cup of tea, reading his <laughs> son newspaper. We're, we're, like, we're like two metres from him. And he, he's gone to me, uh, how'd you get in? Oh, uh, um, your gate was open. He went, what are you doing here? And Barry was saying, yeah, we're, we're football players who were injured. And he uh, went, you can fuck off. <laughs> and like, it was so surreal because I was like, right, 
Bristol on the Beatles. Yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? It was like a special moment, and he's told me to fuck off. And we jumped on the bikes, and we thought we were going to get shot, and we got on the bikes, and we were running <laughs> down. And Big Barry put his shout out to George, and we've got all your little pitties, George. <laughs> so, um, and, and the funny thing was, I think it was a month later, that he, he got stabbed him and his wife in his house. Yeah. Like, I don't remember this, like uh, yeah, yeah, a Beatle yeah. fan. So, so there was no security, but it was... Uh, yeah, they hopped, over uh, the, they hopped over the wall, didn't they? That was supposed to be, the lad that did that was supposed to have been from Canny Farmware. No. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, I know all about that and I didn't know it was about. Yeah, honestly, man. They never got him if he's got long hair or whatever. They said he's got long hair and a big nose. Yeah, he could have been part of the fucking at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was ringing. I'm your drummer. And then just stab. <laughs> oh, so, but you know what, mate? You know the story I want to hear. I just, I, I did a podcast. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't do the podcast. I've done a podcast for these people. But they had, um, they had boiling air dog. So he had butts on and it was absolutely quality. And he sort of mentioned about the Cheltenham trip. But he told it from his side, which he obviously doesn't remember a lot of it. Do you want to, do you want to delve into that story? Yeah, I think it's one of the best days of my life, to be fair. We, we got yeah, to me Cheltenham. too. Me too, mate, yeah. It's West Ham, gone on a bus to Cheltenham. And I remember we've saved up some money and I think it was uh, Peter Butler and Mike Marsh have got the kitty. And I think we've got like £2,500, which was a lot of money then. And they've got the money. And uh, I remember we're getting in there and uh, them two have disappeared and no one can find them. They're in the champagne tent drinking champagne or whatever so Butler's get Peter Butler's getting completely drunk and uh, because the West Ham players we got invited into um, what's his name Martin Pike Martin Pike Martin Pike you called him Mr Pike because you so, didn't know that, that's about the top, sorry, he's a top trainer he's a top man and we're invited into his tent that where he Harry's got food mate, wasn't it? it was Harry's mate yeah. Harry got us in there yeah food champagne Jan Mulby was there <laughs> Uh, Martin Pike's wife was there with everyone's got the big hats on at Cheltenham and then suddenly Peter Butler and Marcy come in and they're rat arse they're so drunk and I remember he's like he's, he's chucked the hat off Martin Pike's uh, wife who's a real lady he's whipped the hat off and he's running around the tent with a hat you know it's like it's not good and uh, and he's seen Jan Mulby and called him a fat <laughs> C word again <laughs> but anyway, I've actually, I'm not a gambler. I've actually won on the. I've actually won some money, and we've had a fantastic day. We've won a good drink. It's been a brilliant day. We we're on the coach on the way home, and um, we decide we're going to stop at a restaurant. And we stop at a restaurant, and um, I think me and you, base, we didn't, we didn't bother about with the stars coming. Me and you, no, we noticed there was a pub next door to the restaurant. So as everybody's waiting till. Ordered the starters. We've we've nipped out and sucked around the corner into the pub next door. I think I think we t- as I remember, I think we took Peter Butler with us. Took butts and he's scalloped. Yeah, he's absolutely scalloped. And Billy's come in and said he food's ready or something. But anyway, cut the story short. We got back on the on the coach and uh, we're at the back of the coach and there was actually some West Ham directors there, as I remember. Billy, Harry, and a couple of directors were there. Come to Cheltenham. 
and we're and Butts is completely out of it now. He's laying, he's laying on the back seat. So me and Bishy, we took all his clothes off. We've stripped him off naked, completely naked. And we said to him, Butts, he said, um, Harry and Bill want to have a word with you in front of the coach. And he's so drunk, he's got up naked. And he's, <laughs> he doesn't realise he's, he's naked, though. He don't realise he's naked. He's walked down to the front of the bus <laughs> by the directors. <laughs> These old directors, about 70 years old, whatever. And he's, do you want to have a word with me, Bill? What is it? And, like, of course, uh, they were, like, shocked at what we'd done, so... Uh, the thing was, just just to go back a little bit in that story, what we'd done is me, Trev and Butts, we'd, we'd sort of took Butts into the pub next door and he was he was absolutely off his trolley. We've, we've sat there and they had like a pub quiz going on. So we put ourselves in as a team, me, Butts and Trev, in the pub quiz, right? And then Trev's looking at me going, Oh, I think we should get back. Maybe we should get back. Butts is now asleep. He's sitting, leaning against, leaning against the fruit machine, right? Yeah. By the stage. Where only his feet are sticking out. If you come in the front door, only you can only see his feet. So he's leaning against the, the fruit machine, asleep. And Trev's gone, Oh, I think we'd better get back, we better get back. And I go, No, no, we'll wait for the we'll wait for the uh, the pub quiz. So anyway. Trev actually goes back, and I'm sitting there with Butts. And Trev, you must have passed Billy on the way, Billy and Harry. You must have yeah. passed them coming in as you were going out. Yeah. Because I've just seen them walking towards me. And bear in mind, I'm facing Butts, but they can't see him because the fruit machine's in the way. Only his feet are sticking out. So I'm looking to me left to see them walking down, and they're fuming. And they walk down, and Bill goes, what the fuck are you doing? I went, the quiz... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the quiz, that's it, the quiz, yeah. yeah. He went, what? I went, the quiz, he went, where the fuck's butts? And he literally can't see him because the fruit machine's in the way, but it's pretty sticking out. <laughs> and I've gone, he's there. And he looks around the corner and sees butts. He goes, oh, for fuck's sake. He went, get yourself next door. I went to the fella at the comp and I went, you couldn't hold the quiz till we come back after, could you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next thing, next thing, I walk by, Harry Saucer gives me a fucking shoulder and bumps into me as if he's filming yeah. at me. I walk back in, we're in the restaurant, and we're sitting looking out the window. Next thing, we look out the window, the bus is out at the front. You see Billy and Harry carrying butts like he was fucking <laughs> from, from the war. His feet are dragging along the floor. So they're just carrying him. They take him and put him on the bus. What we didn't know what has happened in the restaurant, sir, I don't know if you remember, Keithy Rowland, apparently he's reading the menu, so drunk, he's reading the menu, and it was, the father had come and lit the candles on the table. He's reading the menu, and his menu burst into flames. <laughs> he'd, had it, he'd had it leaning on the, uh, on the, on the candle without realising and started to go asleep. Anyway, we took the menu off him, put the flames out. He just fell face first into his soup. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they never, they never wanted to take us away again after that. But, but that, that reminds me, butts on the back of the, on the back of sleep. Yeah, that was, that was brilliant. I've got two stories now that follow up with that, and one involves you, Bish, big time. Well, they both involve you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, so son, of it's course. A, it's, a, it's the PFA. I just explained the PFA. PFA do is the award dinner. 
towards the end of the season where they get the player of the season and, and the, the team of the season, etc. And um, and it's quite a good do because you know you get all a lot of the Premier League players or all the divisions are there. A lot of them turn up, and I remember this one particular um, time, and um, it was actually Bish's own fault because he took he took me to Carlisle once, and uh, and uh, we met his friend there, and I remember that. We were going out and we were drinking Guinness, and um, he taught me this little trick where we put a vodka in the top of the Guinness, and um, and just on one person so he wouldn't know. So we're having a few Guinnesses, and of course everyone's getting a bit merry. But the guy that's getting a vodka in every round, he's getting out of his box. He's like really drunk all over. <laughs> yeah. So um, this came back right back at him because it's PFA do. We've got a lovely black limousine, and there's about eight of us from the West Ham team. And uh, I think we started off, it was quite cool because we had the monkey suits on and the black limousine and we stopped in the East End in a couple of pubs in the East End and went in there, had a drink. And of course, we got a bitch that day. So we was all drinking Guinness, about eight of us, getting rounds in. And Guinness, Bish has always had a vodka on the top of it. <laughs> so so he was getting a bit merry before us. And we turned up to the PFE. PFA do and that continued and uh, anyway they cut it short there's a lot of people there Ferguson not everyone's there end of the night he's completely arsehole he's really drunk and as you walk out the PFA do the, the big lounge you have to walk through this little uh, entrance and there's a, a sort of a big armchair there and Bish is sat in that and fell asleep <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we decided to Oh, I decided a little bit. So we put a cigarette in his mouth and we put like a vodka in his hand and a whiskey and we put loads of like pine bolt, pine glasses and booze all around him. And of course, I mean, at this time, there'd always been a little bit of a... Uh, people thought maybe he drinks too much. I don't know. <laughs> but it was so funny because we, he, he sat there so drunk and at the end of the night, everybody from the do walked past him you know and caught Alex Ferguson and everyone and he was just sat there in his chair asleep with a cigarette <laughs> in his mouth surrounded by booze and bottles of whiskey and everything so and you wonder I why I never got a you, know, you wonder why I never got a big move anyway <laughs> have you got there's no chance you've got a picture of that is there I wish I had yeah uh, Jordy, I'll tell you right now his phone's the worst phone you've ever seen in your life so he's not gonna <laughs> a, he's not gonna have had a camera phone back then the thing was, Trev, we we started a day at the ball dine. Do you remember Pat and Tina by our house? Yeah, yeah. The ball dine, and uh, <laughs> we have some stories from there as well. Um, we used to Pat and Tina used to let us have stay behinds, didn't they? Yeah. And and we've we've gone in there one night. I think we've been out the country club or whatever, and we come back, seeing if the lights were still on, and. Uh, we, if the lights were still on, Pat always said, just knock at the window and, and we let you in. So we go in, the pool table was there. We started having a game of pool, there was about four or five of us playing. And Pat was like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. If you want anything to eat, just go in the kitchen and all that. And uh, Seb was going on saying, yeah, I'm, I'm starving. So like, I went in the kitchen while I wasn't playing and I looked and I seen, uh, what was the dog called? Remember the dogs? Is that old station they had? Anyway, the dog food was sitting on the side, and I thought, I'll get him here. So I made two pieces of toast, and once I'd done one slice, I took a bite out of it, 
and then I put the dog food and I spread it all on the, the other slice with the bites <laughs> out of it. And then I put the lid back on and I cut it in half. So I walked out back to the pool table holding the, the half where I'd already took the bite out. And then I had the, the other half in the other hand. And I was pretending to chew as I walked out. As I walked out, Trevor went, oh, what's that? I went, pate. He went, oh. <laughs> He went, can I have some? I went, yeah. I gave him the other half as I pretended to chew. <laughs> started, started, he started eating the dog food on toast. And I just, I had to turn away all the time. He was carried on playing film. I'm watching him thinking, he's got, he's got to notice. He's got to notice and he didn't. And I've had to, can you imagine me trying to contain me laughing? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm turning away and he's playing pool and he's chewing away. Anyway, when he's at the last bit, I was at, how was that, Trevor? He went, oh, it was lovely. <laughs> I just it was dog food and then he, he started like balking <laughs> reaching like going to throw up anyway he kept it in <laughs> we, we go home like I mean Trevor was staying with us at the time it was after all the issue and uh, he was staying with us while he was convalescent so so he's gone bish whatever you do tomorrow when we go to pub don't tell anyone will you don't tell anyone I had the dog food <laughs> I went, no, I won't promise, Trevor, promise. So anyway, we get up Sunday, and he's getting ready, and obviously he was blow-drying his hair, and I went, oh, I'm going to walk over to the pub. He's following me over, because the pub was only like 30 yards from the house, wasn't it? Yeah. So I walk over to the pub, and I tell everybody in there, it's <laughs> chocker. I tell everybody in there, so he thinks, oh, nobody knows. Anyway, he walks in the pub, and nobody turns around or anything. And then he orders a pint off Pat. And Pat gives him his pint in the dog's bowl on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and then people start turning around and go, come on, Trev, here's a good boy. Here you come, Trev. <laughs> it was brilliant, mate, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember someone whistled, hey, boy, hey, boy. <laughs> and there, there was a pint on the floor in the bowl. So uh, and that, the whole pub was laughing. So, yeah, you didn't tell anybody thanks for that. <laughs> They were, they were great part of Tina, though, because when I used to do, when we used to do interviews, it was back in the day when the pub was shut from three till seven. It closed at three, opened again at seven, and Pat would always say, oh, when you got an interview, bring the report to the pub and pull your own pints. While yeah. Pat went upstairs and went asleep. It was brilliant, wasn't it, mate? Good days. Oh, do you remember, uh, I still speak to uh, Gary Parker on, on Twitter. Do you remember him, the Arsenal fan? I think he's living in Spain now. He's still yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah Any time a story comes up, he he comes back and says, "Oh, what the good old days, you know." Yeah, they were fantastic. Best times of my life. To be fair, it was fun. Jordy, do you yeah. remember when? Do you remember Trev flew in from Norway and uh, picked him up from the airport in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, he was shattered. Obviously, when I picked him up, it's only yeah. like forty-five minutes to the house. And he was shattered and he got in the passenger seat, put his bags in, got in the passenger seat. And then when I pulled up in the driveway, I came in the house and went, get me a razor. Can you come out and see this? Yeah, yeah. And he was sitting in the passenger seat. Yeah, I remember. I shaved, I shaved his eyebrow off. Yeah. <laughs> shaved his eyebrow off. Funny, I showed you how to do it. Like. Yeah. And then when he woke up, Trev, you, you can take the story on from there, I think. 
Because well, I mean, I remember a little bit different. I remember that you picked me up. I don't think we went straight home. We had a few pints on the way home. <laughs> and um, it's the a booming, long day. It's a long day when it's a long day when you because it's like when you travel to to America, it makes it like a thirty, I don't know, thirty hour day. So I was pretty knackered. I remember I fell asleep, and then um, I remember woke up the next morning. I felt fresh and everything, and. I remember we went out with the, the kids and everything and we went to the pub and went for a meal and I was I remember I was having such a great time. I remember that I was telling stories and everyone was laughing and enjoying themselves and it was like, <laughs> oh, everyone likes me here. Everything <laughs> I said, people were falling over laughing at my jokes. It was like, well, I had, a, I had a fantastic day, I've got to say. I thought the Americans were brilliant. I thought the family were great. Everyone loved me. They were laughing and everything. That was a fantastic day. So the following day, I woke up, had a shower, and then um, I'm just like looking in the mirror. And I'm thinking, what? I could something's wrong here. <laughs> and, uh, and it took me like ten minutes looking at myself. But I've got no eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent a whole day without knowing, and everybody else knew, and they were just laughing. They weren't laughing. With me, they were laughing at me. So, uh, yeah. Hey, you I, don't know. I remember, I remember saying to the kids, like, see how long we can last until he realizes he's got no eyebrows. I remember I, that was the first day, so I, had to, I was staying there for I don't know a week or two weeks, and uh, oh, I remember try, I tried to wear a cap. I tried to put makeup. On. There was no way out then. I remember that wasn't, that that wasn't strange good. for you, was it? That wasn't strange for you wearing makeup. <laughs> you gotta put uh, band-aids like plasters on your eyebrows and act like you're in a fight yeah we tried everything See, to be fair I mean Connor knows the answer because he's been around Ian for so long I think I, it's a I, bit of a cruel I, thing I, I mean I laugh at it now but I, I wasn't that well pleased about it to be fair <laughs> you know what I mean I hate to say it, I've had the chance to shave his eyebrows off I just didn't Trev, 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 have you ever got him with anything like that? Like, like have you ever got him with any any pranks like that, or is it just him him on you? Well, to be fair, we, we had a, I mean, going, I'm repeating myself. He took me to Carlisle, and we met his friend, and uh, that's when I, he taught me the old vodka and the Guinness trick. Yeah, yeah. With his friend, and we did exactly that. We we actually shaved his eyebrows off and <laughs> other parts of his body, whatever, and he. He woke up in the morning and suddenly he started shouting and he was going and he got a job interview the next morning and he was like so pissed off with me and Bish for what we did. I can't remember his name, Bish, but Polly, you remember the car Polly, like, yeah. Polly, yeah. So, and he was trying to plaster, he was trying everything and sun, sunglasses, whatever, and he was just like, I've got a job into interview tomorrow, I'm never going to get through this. So, so, um, so we've got... Um, We've we've got we've got a, a segment we like to do called Stitch Up Bish um, on the podcast. So the Have first done that already? the first well, already? no, we're not done yet. The first the first question uh, we usually ask is, what was he like as a roommate? Yeah, he was a great roommate because uh, he used to tell me. I, I used to ask him to tell me stories to get me to sleep and. Um, <laughs> I can't repeat what stories there were, but he always used to tell me a few stories. Like you, when you was kids, he used to read you a story, I'm sure, to get you to sleep. Well, yeah, he used to do the same to me, and uh, he, often, 
I used to do it to Trev in the pub to get him to sleep so he didn't <laughs> fucking annoy anyone. <laughs> well, I guess this this sort of um there's there's a funny story that that comes up. Trev, you you lived with my dad and my mom. Um I don't know when it was, but you you ended up staying Just with before we were born. You yeah. ended up staying with my dad and my mom before we were born. And there's a funny story about uh, involving a window cleaner. I, I don't know if, if you know what I'm talking about, but if you guys yeah. can, if you guys can take over and, t- and tell that story, because that's a uh, yeah, that that was right in the middle of the uh, when we were going through the the gay period, and everybody was you know everyone was talking about it, the the the, the crowds were singing it, you know we'd go in a pub and people were like, and we was like. <laughs> You know, it never got in the papers, but the whole country believed that we were lovers or gay, whatever, whatever. But anyway, I used to stay with your, your mum and dad, and I remember this one particular. I think I think we had a game on the Monday. I think it was a Saturday, if I remember. It was a weekend, and uh, and and uh, your mum went down to make a cup of tea. She used to get the papers for us, and uh, <laughs> so I got in bed with Bish, and uh, we were sitting there reading the papers, you know, and and suddenly. A ladder's come up and the window cleaner's come up and he's looking through the window and he sees me and Bitch in, in a double bed reading the papers, you know. Like, can I can I just jump in there, by the way? He used to come into my room and get in my bed when I was still <laughs> as a sleeping joke. normally. Yeah. I was still sleeping normally, not as a joke. No, the the door was open the though, wasn't it? I'd still, yeah, the door was open because, cause you, you know, your mum had gone down to make the tea, so... He would come in and he would get the papers and come in. And the fact was, the worst thing for me was, well, I still do today, and I know people don't really want to know, but I slept naked. I sleep naked. <laughs> so the fact is, when the window cleaner comes up and he's sitting next to me, all his own doing, by the way, not me, I didn't invite him. He's sitting there reading the papers, the window cleaner comes. Now I, I open my eyes and I realise the window cleaner's there. I can't run now. <laughs> Imagine, imagine what it's going to look like. I'm bollocko, trying to run out of the room when he's sitting there reading the friggin' paper in the back. And you can't see Trevor's hands. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny about all that though is like Ian. Now you're cleaning windows, so I'm sure you're climbing hey. up, looking to. Hey. <laughs> you're looking to justify the story yeah. to make it normal, trying to find. <laughs> Two friends making a joke in the windows. Well, maybe I'm, I'm not. I'm not a psychologist, but maybe there's something in that that he feels that he's had to go and clean windows. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. But I also remember that because I, I used to stay in that spare bedroom. Didn't used to lie there sometimes, hiding for like an hour. I was about. Was, I was about to say. Was after yeah. Trevor's ordeal, boys. After Trevor's ordeal, he was scared of sleeping in the dark. Right. Right, so one right. night he's in the spare room. He was scared of sleeping in the dark. So one night, he's actually—I've heard him getting up and and doing something in the middle of the night. And and I get up to go and see what's happening. I hear some noises, and he's actually gone down to make himself a sandwich. So I think, oh, what can I do? So anyway, I end up getting down, laying down the side of the bed, and pulling the quilts over me. Right, and then I hear him like finishing off downstairs and then he comes up the stairs and then I knew he was scared of the dark like so he comes back into the bedroom he's sitting in the bed and I could hear him munching away <laughs> had a sandwich or whatever <laughs> he finishes I let him finish his sandwich and then he gets up and he turns the lights off 
and then I wait for him to get into bed, and then like five minutes later, I reach my hand over. <laughs> I said, grab him, and then he screams his head off. I jump up, frighten the fucking life out of him. It doesn't sound good, that, that you was no. like... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and grabbed, yeah, like, Trevor was calm, yeah. and he felt the hand, and was like, oh, it's all good. Well, you know... But it takes me back to another funny story when you're talking about... Uh, I don't remember this one, because, Harry, you took us to the Belfry, which is like... Uh, the top golf course in the, in England, three in days Midlands, golfing. Yeah. And of course, first night, we're still in the bar. Like I think it's six thirty, seven in the morning. Me and Bish are still in the bar when they start teeing off. And we can just see them from the window of the bar. And uh, we, we, you know, it's a very posh golf course. And we, as they're just on the, going to hit the ball, we're making like, we're shouting out, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, that, the following night, our captain, Steve Pops, he got really drunk and he fell asleep in a big leather chair. So um, the Belfry's like, just, it's just on the main road, sort of outside Birmingham. So we decided the main road, dual carriageway, and in the middle, there was like a grass verge of maybe four metres. So there's lorries going down each side. So we've carried him out on this leather chair and we've put him in the middle of the motorway like <laughs> one o'clock in the morning and there's not that much traffic but there's there's lorries going by and looking back it was a bit of a stupid thing to do because <laughs> but you can imagine Potsy our captain he suddenly woke up he's where am I he's stuck in the middle of the motorway with lorries flying but that's right didn't we do the conga wasn't we doing the conga all the way out there with him on the chair above our heads yeah yeah so um, <laughs> that was a good time well back back to the back to the football then because you know, that's what this podcast is about. The summers, you so you were at Reading and you spent the summers on loan in Norway. So, like, was was the constant football year round, was it better or worse for your fitness? Like, how do, how do you feel like that, that affected you? It was actually brilliant for me. It was actually, um, I was actually at West Ham, not uh, the last year at Reading, but I did it three years. I think the first time, 92, where... Um, they, they, the Norwegian, because I was going over to Norway. Yeah. Um, in the summer anyway, they approached me, and West Ham were very skeptical, but they eventually did a deal. So, um, uh, it's quite a funny story because Brand, it's quite, I mean, it's a, it's a big club. They get like 20,000 watching them. And, um, so I did a deal and went over, and I wasn't sure about it, but, um, the first, the first game I played for them was at home, and it was the national day. And the National Day in Norway, it's a massive day. It's like everyone goes out and celebrates. It's a crazy day. They all wear suits and flags. But I was unaware of this. So the day before, we played, I played my first game for them against Viking. And we won 3-1 and I scored. And it was brilliant. There was 22,500 people there. It was crazy. It was like really great atmosphere. So I woke up after they said to me, uh, Trevor, we'll pick up at 11.30 tomorrow. Uh, we're going into town. Now, I was unaware of the National Day. Anyway, I woke up and the two local newspapers, I'm front page, I'm thinking, wow, this is crazy. There's a big picture of me front page. It's like, I felt like a superstar. They picked me up, we went into town. I had to put my suit on, whatever. And then we started going through the town and it was just full of people. And there were photographers filming me. And I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. And I thought it was because we'd won the game. I didn't know it was a national day. 
<laughs> so there's like, there's like 20,000 people out in Bergen celebrating. And I'm thinking, wow, this is better than West Ham. This is like crazy to come out celebrating the game. So two weeks later, when we played our next game at home, there was like 10,000 people there. It was like a disaster. So, and after that, I signed the contract. But, um, but coming back, yeah, to be honest, when I went to play for Brand, the training was actually more advanced than what we were doing at West Ham. We trained mornings. We, we were doing the warm downs, the heart monitors. It, it was actually advanced because at that time, the English game was a little bit in the past. You know, we joke about Billy Bond and all that, but it was very... It worked to an extent that we weren't. We were, we fell behind as a as a country in regards training. So, but what it did, it kept me ticking over because we had twelve weeks free in the summer. Yeah. And of course, what we were doing, drinking, it was, it was we weren't looking after ourselves. So I was over there and I kept, kept playing. And when I came back, I felt really sharp. So it, it was it was a really it was a really good thing for me that I did. And the, the fact is. In '94, the World Cup, I didn't go there, and that was where I came back to West Ham after I got Player of the Year. And I wasn't. It was, that was the season, my last season. I, I didn't have a good season. I got injured, and and I always think that part of it was because I didn't carry on that uh, that summer loan period. So for yeah. me, it was a good experience. Yeah. But Trev, you're saying you're saying advanced. Now they're saying players need the breaks. You know, the sports scientists today in the winter can yeah. actually can actually determine when a player has played too much and that he needs a week off. So back then when you're saying you didn't you didn't even have a break and it was advanced, don't you think that's, that's contradictory to what happens today when the same players need to rest as much as they need to train? You're saying you felt so much fitter when it when you didn't have that break. I mean, it's different. I mean, we could get into sports scientists. I mean, sports scientists make lots of money. I don't know. I, I mean, they, they obviously they probably run quicker, further now that the fitter than we were then. But I, I, I honestly believe there's there's more injuries nowadays, and I, more, I don't believe more non-contact be- injuries, Trev. That's what I don't get. The sports scientists today are not accountable for all these injuries that are non-contact injuries. So obviously they must be doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they make a lot of money, sports scientists. And so, I mean, I think Big Sam Adadai, all those old-fashioned ones, one of the first people, person to get all this in to, to, to measure this. But um, yeah, it makes you wonder, because they could blood sample and decide whether you're a fit or not to play. I mean, we knew ourselves, Pish. We knew when, you know, we got the, what we used to call the jelly legs or whatever. We often got the jelly, the jelly, <laughs> jelly legs. legs. yeah. You, you, you know yourself whether you're right to play or not. Okay, we could lie. I often lie. I know my, there were many times when my knee wasn't right, and 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 that was my my fall in at West Ham was I came back too early after an injury because I I didn't want other people to score, and I didn't play well for a couple of games, and that was sort of caused the end of my career. So, but um, I'm. Uh, yeah, like you say, the rest, I don't know. I, I think there's too much made of it. All about they've got to have so much pre-season and all this. and With the corona now, they're getting a sort of a rest now. And I can't understand why they, they wanted a winter break and Klopp wanted a winter break. He was, a, you know, and, and after the winter break, they were not as good as what they were before it. And that might be just irrelative, but I, 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 I think that, you know, if we play two games a week, three games a week, I just think it's too much made of it nowadays that you know you need this rest, you need this, you're playing too many games. 
I, I think it can be a mental thing as well where players believe you know they can't do it. I mean, it's, it's just like it's just a game of football, and it's a, you know it's a tough adrenaline gets you through. But um, I don't go along with the, all this sports scientist thing. And I'm I'm not keen on it at all. No, mate. There's a lot of stuff with all the rotation and all that. Remember, we if a manager said to me because we were at the the changeover sort of thing at that time. If a manager said, I'm going to rest you, he was more or less cowering out to say, I'm leaving you out. Mm. And that's how we took it. You know, you wasn't resting me, you were leaving me out and you don't have the balls to say. It sort of gave the manager an excuse. And now they've, they've gone from, OK, we have squads of 20 players and we rotate. And, and they've made a mockery of the League Cup and of the FA Cup now. And, and you know, because of how big the Premier League and the Champions League has got, they're making a mockery of them and, and they're playing kids, in fact, to say, like, the players need their rest right now. I, I don't agree with that. It's it's like you, you couldn't wait to play your next game. Somebody somebody said to me the other day, oh, they're going to have to play three games a week. I said, well, didn't we play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday or Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday? That's three, more or less three games a week. Yeah. And it's like it's like the, now the fans have, have bought into what has been drummed into the players for them to believe it themselves also that, oh, I can't play another game, you know? It's all about today, what are my stats? Like, do you think the game has got so tough? Trev, because, I mean, I know you do your punditry now in, in Norway and I've actually been over and, and did the show with you and I must have been absolutely shite because I've never been invited back. But <laughs> apart from that, you know, you, you're seeing it every week from... from you, a perspective of you more or less have to and do your research. Now, is, is it is it that the, the passing backwards and sideways and 28 passes at the back before, has the game become that physical? I don't see it because now I'm fast-forwarding games because I don't want, want to watch all the bullshit. And people can talk all they want saying footballers today are better athletes. Are they really? When I don't believe they're running any further than we ran. I don't believe now just because it's monitored that they're running further than we run. And if you are, what is actually the running that you're doing that, that is important? Are you, getting, are you getting counted on your mileage clock when you're jogging about the back, passing it five yards backwards and sideways? Yeah. You know, that's, that's what gets me. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I don't understand now centre-backs are running so much. I mean, because they're just, you know, a lot of it's about position. And it, it's almost like, I feel like some players are running just to get the mileage up for the stats. And also with the passing, like you say, I mean, OK, Van Dijk is brilliant. and But, you know, a lot of them passes are, and he's a fantastic player. But a lot of them stats are... He's just passing simple balls around at the back, and yeah. I honestly feel I feel that the Premier League is in a delicate position now. That it's been fantastic. The Premier League—that's what it is. It's the biggest in the world, really. Gets the most money in the world, but I think it's in a precarious position now, where it can just lose a little bit. Because what made it great was that blood and thunder, a little bit of tackles and everything. And I just feel now it's getting a little bit too too much false there's too much cheating you got VAR coming everything players are players are not honest as they used to be you've got a lot of when you say they weren't fitter you've got a lot of athletes you've you got a lot of players nowadays that have got fantastic 
bodies and athletes, but they can't actually cross the ball. They can't, you know, they can flick it and they can do the toilet roll trick or whatever it is. Now we've got Corona. They can do anything. <laughs> but put them on a pitch, you ask them to ping a ball 40 yards, they can't do it. They can't bend the ball in. So the game's changed a lot. And I think, I'll be honest, I think the Premier League now is... It's 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 peaked for me. It's it's in a dangerous position yeah. where yeah. they could lose a lot of audience because it can get boring. Like say, so much possession at the back, so much passing around, you can't make a tackle anymore. I mean, all this when you say he went in with too much force, it's a ridiculous rule for me. You know, if the ball's there, you're running at full speed. You're allowed to tackle. How can you go in with too much force? How can you go for too much force? What what rules that? Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, the prob the problem is they're too worried about the stats and not worried enough about the technique. You know, so it's like if if someone makes ten passes a game, like who who knows whether those passes were forward or backwards or under pressure exactly. or or not under pressure? Like, you know, it, it it's a weird thing to just rely on stats. Like if you just go yeah, on. But it, but it's, a lot of it's coincidence, yeah. Because you know, see goalkeepers, he's made eighty percent of saves. But you know, you like I say, a lot of them are easy. A lot exactly. Of them are in the, sort of a back pass. So it is a bit false. And, and I know in America they love the stats and that. But yeah. uh, I think they can it's be a little lazy. bit too false. It's lazy because it's it's all we want to do is rely on stats, whatever it is. It's just lazy, you know, because numbers. I think that's into the players' minds, though. I don't think they hundred percent. I don't think they go out now just thinking I'm going to play a football match and I want to win. They go on out thinking about themselves, and and you can see that in everything that they do. How do I look? You know, um, what what's my my run up routine for a for a free kick or whatever? Yeah, well, you've got like Neymar and Ronaldo and all and Bale and all that bullshit. It's like it's I've been for the a cameras. massive influence on the way the game's gone. Yeah. They've been a massive influence on the youngsters, and it and it's affected. It's been drilled into the new generation of supporters, and even managers now, even old school managers are, are buying into the the new game. And and every every time the ball hits your hand, it's a, it's a penalty. Every time someone goes down, it's a free kick. Even though they don't see it from the position that they're in on the touchline, you've got to realise there's. Hundreds of cameras out there, right? So whatever it is, should be found out that that's what it is. Well, that's For what the, that's what VAR should be do should be taken care of, but it, it's not. You know, it's not taking care of what it should be taking care of. No. Well, it's an absolute nightmare. Part, part, part of the the greatest thing about football is the support. It's all about the supporters, not the players so much. But and the supporters love to go and talk about things after. And like now, Voice is is trying to make the game perfect, and the game will never be perfect, and and it shouldn't be. Yeah. And there's always, always be grey areas, always. And I've, I always say this on TV: the the, the goal, what's the goal? The the ham, the goal when it uh, the Everton goal last minute was disallowed against Manchester United. You know, it, for me, it was farcical. Yeah, was that was ridiculous. Farcical. Yeah. Our people can't see common sense, and I've actually it was been Sigurd, to the Sigurdsson offside, Sigurdsson wasn't it? Sigurdsson pulled his leg out the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was the whole I've issue. I've actually been to the VAR centre, and it's a little—it's not—it's a little room with TVs, three people there. And the first thing I said, I went in there. And I said to him, "Why haven't you got a football player?" 
That's yeah. the moment because they haven't and got. You was there, and you was there. No, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and they the said the same thing. <laughs> because they haven't got a, they haven't got a referee's badge. He said, "Yeah, but you need that third piece. You need that third person to." And our examples, you know, that goal against United where the keeper said he he wasn't he couldn't see the ball. Of yeah. course, he could see the ball because he was ridiculous. actually moving to get the ball. It was ridiculous. So it, yeah. It's it's yeah. So things like that are so basically wrong. It is unbelievable. So and also, I think the players they they try to cheat too much. Even now. When they know they're on 100%. camera, and they appeal for things that are not wrong, they, are they stupid or because the camera's going to say it anyway? So I think, I think, my we're, we're killing we're killing the game a little bit. We're trying to get too too my, sophisticated, and that's not what the English Premier League's about. One hundred percent. There's so many players that are faking things, you know. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. They're on the. Ca- Okay, I, I, I used to cheat. I'll be honest, I was a cheat. I <laughs> I, when I say I was cheat, you know... In did football? You, did you cheat on me? Did you cheat on <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, I was going to say I in football. A, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was a diver, but I can see that if I, I knew someone was going to stick his leg out, I'd sort of delay uh, it. Uh, I hate that. Rub I it. hate that. I hate that. I hate that more than anything. I just think at that time you see someone rolling around, he doesn't get a free kick, and then in 10 seconds you're running again. It's like, Swerve. you know... Suarez, yeah. Uh, oh, there's, there's many players do it, and I, I just um, that needles me a little bit. So, yeah. And I think I think what the point is that supporters the supporters see it, and, and if it carries 100%. on, they're gonna one hundred. They're gonna lose faith. They're gonna lose faith because you know they're not stupid supporters. You got a hundred ca- cameras around you. That's why. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah, that does that, that, that gets me as much as I any. mean you look at people like Suarez he'll go down crying like he's just been shot and then if he sees the build up in the play and he sees Messi has the ball he'll jump up and then Messi will end up squaring the ball to him and he'll go and score and then he'll go and kiss his three fingers and act like he just did the fucking world justice you know yeah the biggest one for me was it was the Liverpool game when he kicked Robertson. And if you that's, watch it, he that's just what I'm talking about. No reason. That's what I'm talking then, about. Yeah. And then when Yardim comes on and scores two goals, so it sort of it, it was brilliant that it worked out that it sort of helped them win the game. But the fact he afterwards he was trying to say to Robertson, "I'm sorry, I was like stumbling into you." It's just you know, I mean, yeah. really, the yeah, whole world's yeah. just seen what you do. Bullshit. Yeah, the whole world is just full of shit. Seen. So, so let's. So we. So we've got some more questions, Trev. We want to ask you about uh, about Ian. We know what he's like on a night out. <laughs> we know what he like, he's like as a teammate in the dressing room. What was he like on trips when you when you were taking trips? Like, you got any any stories that spring to mind? Yeah, I mean, when we, I remember we travelled away a couple of times, and uh, well, many times I was his roommate. I remember once he got me to. Um, I think it was his idea. We used to go for a meal on the Friday and have a nice meal that was at a posh hotel. I remember it was at a big table, and I think this is your idea, Bish. That um, I'm, not, I'm, big... not, I'm not jumping in just yet. Should you tell me what it was? <laughs> there was a big white. There was a big white sheet over the table, whatever. So, and we're all in the tracksuits and white, white trainers. So, he's given me like a, a bowl of ketchup. So I've sneaked under the table. Now I'm under the table where there's about. 20 players and the staff there. He was looking up up people's trouser legs. Yeah. I've put a bit bit of ketchup on everybody's training (laughs) shoes. 
And then I've sneaked back up again, and it's all kicked off after because I think Johan Bohr was there and he was pissed off. He was people were pissed off, and at the same time, this used to get the key when we used to room together. It's like uh, if, if if one of the ladies, clean ladies, oh, I've lost my key. Can you let me in? We'd get into somebody else's room. I think once it was Tim Breaker, and so we and then a little balcony. So we've taken all the furniture out of the room. <laughs> in the balcony and put it into the bathroom whatever so when when they've come back <laughs> to the hotel room <laughs> there's actually nothing in the room whatever <laughs> so, so the breaks, and I, the I think, I think on the actually we, you didn't we damage one of the that damaged one of the uh, closets and it cost about 12 <laughs> wardrobe yeah. <laughs> the, the, the famous wardrobe yeah we yeah. couldn't get it into the bathroom what it was seven got in inside the bathroom and the, the wardrobe, we had to, it was like a freestanding wardrobe. So we've had to actually tilt it to try and get in because it was bigger than the doorway. Yeah. And Trev was actually in the bathroom pulling it in. <laughs> when, when I was pushing it, he was pulling it. I wasn't fucking stupid, by the way. I wasn't going to be the one getting inside. So the, the, the wardrobe got wedged in the doorway. <laughs> and now he's fucking stuck. Inside the bathroom, he's obviously going to get caught, isn't he? Yeah. So I actually left. <laughs> <laughs> I left, and I think what he did was he's fucking kicked and pushed the wardrobe so much that it just collapsed in on itself for him to escape so we didn't get caught. <laughs> and I think we had a team meeting the next day about... <laughs> was it Billy still there, I think, Trev? Was Billy there? Somebody, yeah, needs, was, yeah. somebody needs to own up and pay for the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I forgot about that, actually. Mm. I forgot. Yeah, I you, you know what it is? You know, all need to get together. We all need to get together and uh, sit in the room and record it all. I can remember once as well when um, the phone rang. It was I think Because we, we used to, if it was a night game, we used to drive in the morning and have something to eat and we used to have a sleep. I think maybe it was Bristol's. Bristol City away and like the phones rang and they're all can remember they're on the bus so we've, we've actually missed the pre-match meal we're still sleeping and they're on the bus waiting for us we've been sitting there 10 minutes and suddenly phone we're still asleep like remember that one you, you wonder why there was gay rumours though fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, hell but, but as a room partner he was brilliant because he told me the stories he got me to sleep and we, we used to like to sleep <laughs> He got me to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I used to rub his feet. <laughs> he did that. He told me stories. That he, he knows I was frightened in the dark or whatever. So he, 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 was, he, was, he, was, he was a top room partner. I mean, otherwise I had to sleep with Julian Dix and he was like waking up at like seven in the morning doing everything. So <laughs> he went from an arse. He went from an arse to Dix. <laughs> <laughs> so... Before we get to the big reveal, because that's what we've all been waiting for, you know, we've got the cliffhanger, whether whether you and and Ian were gay lovers, because that's what we're all waiting for at the end of the episode, right? Yeah. I have to. If we're related to you or not? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> we need to know if we're your children. But like, I need to ask one thing before we close it out. What's one thing that you do that people don't don't really know about you that you wanna that you wanna get out there? Well, I mean, I've I've got quite a lot of things, but not that one to get out there. But um, 
I mean, I'm sitting here. I've got um, I've got a Batman statue. <laughs> a statue? Yeah, I'm a big fan. A big fan of Batman. Of DC. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. a big fan of DC. So, so why, um, why Batman? Oh, he, he, he looks after me when it's dark. He's, he's there. <laughs> yeah. He likes he's the a dark, man in uniform. The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah he's a, he is literally the Dark Knight. So, uh, other things. No, I've got I've got many like of these suspicious things. Like you know, I have to I, if I put one shoe on, I have to put the other shoe on. I can I can only tie the lace on the on one shoe. <laughs> what is, wait, what? wait a minute. If you put on one shoe, no one's yeah, putting on one put shoe and shoe. not the other. I can't other. put one shoe on and tie it, and then another one. I have to put both <laughs> shoes on. Tie it. I've got many of these. I've got many of these things that are very like suspicious. And if I wear superstitions, R- rituals. Yeah, many yeah. of those things drive me crazy. Uh, uh, you know, Trevor, I, I completely agree with Trev, you. Trev, you still, you, Trev, you still managing the um, the the um. The shelters and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, still going. Yeah. There. yeah, I know. I know. Halfway houses and that. Yeah, yeah. How how's that? How's that going? Is it? Every, everything. Well, we never say it's going well, and then we have to touch wood because then. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, rusty, like, he's rusty really, nuts. We've been eighteen, nineteen years, so um, it's quite funny because we've got the corona now, and um, so I'm it's trying weird. to talk to them. Yeah. Like, and they don't give a damn. They come to me. I walk into them. How's the football going? I went. They haven't been playing football for five weeks. Do you know what I mean? They, they, don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't know. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying, wash your hands and but wash your hands. Why? Yeah. And uh, they're not. But the lucky thing is that not one drug addict in Bergen has actually got Corona. So um, and I, I, I've got there a theory. Go. Maybe maybe they've got a good immune system because they're always cut and, and if they did get if they did get it they wouldn't know because you know they're, they're up and down so yeah, if yeah, they were yeah. ill they'd be but yeah, um, yeah they, they, see, uh, it's a job I love they're, fans, they're really good people they're, they're, they're messed up because they're taking drugs but uh, I love my job and looking after them and um, yeah it's, it's uh, I mean I'm, a glo- I'm a, just a glorified cleaner really I just go around cleaning after <laughs> them or whatever <laughs> to them yeah. I can't cure them unfortunately I can't cure them but um, I have saved a few lives I've saved quite a few overdoses and so uh, yeah, I don't know why I end up doing this but it's something I enjoy and it gives me some job satisfaction so yeah it's it's, it's a tough game but I enjoy it yeah, I mean, alright mate well, well anyway uh, what I wanted to ask you before we go was um, are you dying your hair and getting Botox. Yeah, I've done I've done Botox a few times in the pan. Yeah, I like that. So. In your fingers? So, uh, in 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 my forehead. <laughs> yeah, in my forehead. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, why not? You know, I, I sort of I got a lot of big wrinkles there. So I think you should try it, bitch. I think it. it no. Oh no, no he definitely you, fucking no, needs it. When you say it, why not? Hey, Trevor, um, what, what's your what's your stance on Aguero, and do you think he is a lone striker? Do you th- do you think he needs someone like you? Like um, I know Jekyll tried to fill the part where it was like bringing down like a, a, a type of Giroud, you know, where it was um, 
bringing down a layoff, but he never actually fulfilled that. My, t- my take on that is that he plays in such a great side that, you know, I've always, it's, if I'd ever got the chance of play to play for a big team, I would have scored a lot more goals because people don't realise that, you know, when someone scores like 10 goals for Sheffield United or 10 goals for Wolves or 15 goals, you know, that, that's the same as scoring 30 goals for Liverpool because... Oh, 100%. This chance is 100%. Great. Wait a minute, are you trying straight. to say your service wasn't good enough? No, no, because it was. And, yes, and he is. <laughs> I, I did score 20 goals. You know, I was the last, our last person to score 20 goals in the league goals in the season for West Ham, just so throw that in. So, but I got the service. I got the service. No, no striker's going to score goals. And like, when the top strikers are lucky enough, and trust me, Aguero, I, I remember his debut and I was doing it on yeah. TV and I, I just said, I just said he, he lit the place up. The guy's the guy's quality, but he's he's lucky because he's playing the team like Manchester City. I mean, we don't talk about Sterling, but how many goals has Sterling scored when he's just tapped them into the far post? Okay, his timing is wrong. All of his, all City, of his fucking they, goals. They play such amazing football, so I don't think Aguero needs anybody. No, I think De Bruyne is is delivering oh, yeah, his service. One hundred percent. David Silva. The great chances. And he's a quality finisher. So my answer to that is I don't think he actually needs anybody. I think they're just good as they are. I think they've had a little bit of a strange season. Man City, it's not gone quite right for them. But I don't think Manchester City have a problem. You see the amount of goals they score. That is not a problem for Man City. I tried to analyse the games this season. And I looked at the games that have not won. And by saying that, there's a few draws, there's a few losses. Are yeah. They, if I look, are they dominated the stats on 100%. everyone? 100%. And if you look at corner yeah. stats, possession, apart from the Wolves game when they went down to 10 men yeah. quite early. Uh, what was it, John Stanley? Only game, only game they've been outplayed. If you look at the stats, every single game they drew a loss. And even the Liverpool game, to be fair, yeah. when they lost to Liverpool, they were probably the better side, had the better chances. So... So yeah. for me, it's just been one of them seasons. A bit coincidence. Not things have gone right. Yeah, uh, VAR but, definitely uh, went against them. And you see the mistakes they made at the back. I mean, Otamendi's made mistakes. Stones have made some. The goalkeepers made the odd mistake. They made some really basic mistakes as well that cost them cost them the game. So just been one of them seasons for Man City, but they're still such a such a quality side. But Aguero is getting older. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. But I think when you look at it, they went to Real Madrid with no centre forward and, and won. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they've, what, what left themselves, they've left themselves in a position Two. where. 2-1. In a great position. 2-1 comfortably, though. Yeah, they won. Mm. They, well, no, the I, I actually doubted with not playing Aguero. Yeah, I know. We all did. Well, we, we all did. We spoke about this, didn't we? We he had Jay-Z yeah. playing the left wing defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it worked. Yeah. With no centre forward. So. I wouldn't second guess Pep in, in what he's doing anyway. No. You know, like you say, I think I think goals four speak for themselves over yeah. the last few years anyway. So yeah. you know, to actually look for another centre forward and take something away from somewhere else, yeah. which is what you'll do, I don't think I don't think they need that. I you agree. know, and and, and and even looking back I I did like Jacko. I did like what he did when oh, he was there. I did. I, I loved yeah. him. You know, I, but I, I don't think they Roma. need that as much anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I think the goal threat is fantastic. And the goal threat, the problem is there, the defence, to be fair. I mean, it is defence. The company went and they've not really. I thought Ultimately had a good season the previous season, but he, he looks. Stones sort of lacks a bit of confidence. Carl Walker's not. 
in general, defensively, and of course, yeah, I they mean, have the offensive yeah. situation yeah. sorted out, but not the. That's defensive. where the issues are. That's yeah. definitely where the issues are at the back, because um, having to play Fernandinho there and him being the best defender they had. Yeah. To be fair. Mm. I mean, I'm you look. Older midfield player being your best defender. That's, you look. Fair, Rod, I, as much as Rodri, for me, I'm not convinced yet. He's a nice player and he's comfortable. This is coming back to this. Which is, this annoys me so much. There's so many defensive midfield players now that just can't actually pass a ball. They they do the they do the job. They do it well. But you know, hey, Trevor. I um I hold back so fucking much, but um and I hate to say it, but I, I'll never praise my dad. But um, <laughs> he would have done a good job back then. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know what I know what he's capable of, and I mean I know what good football is, you know. So yeah, yeah. I look at people like Xavi Alonso, and I think he he. I mean, I hate to say it, Dad. Sorry, but. I hate to compliment you, but uh, he couldn't lace your boots, so. Anyway. Can we cut that out? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Trev, you you talk about the service you used to get, so we have to end the the podcast with the old (laughs) question. It wasn't that type of service. The nail by it. So so what's up with that cliffhanger? What's up with that cliffhanger, Trev? Are we your sons or are we not? Yeah. You want the truth? We want the truth. Did I get your mustache? Is it? <laughs> you want the truth about me and your dad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'd like the mystery to continue, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you promised. I, I promise you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> you you can continue the mystery. There was one. There was one night in Bournemouth when uh, <laughs> we'd been drinking a lot and. Uh, we had a lovely hotel room, and uh, I was lying in bed naked. And uh, <laughs> your dad, your dad did try to mount me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> I fought it. I fought it. I fought it. He just thought and you were one of those gotta, one of those yeah. horses in the New Forest. That's what yeah. he thought it was. Yeah. It I wasn't main season. Just, 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 just a joke, but I remember he tried to mount me once, and, and uh, nothing, nothing came up. Nothing yeah. came of it. O- other than us, Trevor. So, yeah. well, hopefully he get he gave you the best service of your life. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. The best thing was when 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 I did it, when he did come to TV in, in Norway, and he did a great job. We had a good time, and he was brilliant. And I hope he can come back. That. Um, we actually talked about the gay thing, and yeah, I remember yeah. when when, the, yeah. when they said that about a gay. First thing Bish said was, "Yeah, if I was gay, I wouldn't have chosen him." Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, but then <laughs> it was that stash. Yeah, it was also a weird haircut he had going on. You remember that? Yeah, uh, I watched that video yeah. the other day. No, no, we've haircut. we've seen everything. That's yeah. the thing. That's a good point, though. But Trev, we appreciate you so much for for coming on five pints in. Yeah. We hope we hope you're ten, fifteen pints in. At this uh, point. By now. And uh, it might be your dad. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's really that's really what we're trying to figure out. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> well, we're we're literally trying to figure out where in your will or not. Yeah, do so, we have two dads, one dad? Who knows? Yeah. 
Yeah, we, we love you, Trevor. Like, um, we I love mean, you, I mean, Trev, We love you like a yeah. dad. <laughs> we, we love you like. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're an uncle to us. So. Yeah, you're an uncle to us, and um, it's lovely being around you. Jordy, you said you wouldn't finish this one like you finished last one. Now I feel even worse. <laughs> you should. You, you should. <laughs> I just lost two children. <laughs> Well, <laughs> who knows? It it could it could have been that way for the last twenty seven years. So, guys, thank you, Trev. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, anyone who's listening out there, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all that shit. Um, make sure you know you you keep digging into this uh, this uh, this story that that Trev and Ian are pulling along because who knows what the true story is because we still yeah, need to figure a, it out. I need a DNA test, honestly, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Trev, we love you, man. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Cheers, man. I've really enjoyed it. has been a blast. It's yeah. great to talk Thanks, to you guys. Love you, Trev. Love you, guys. Cheers, All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. Yeah.